0: Welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. And I am here with my special guest, Durrell Wade, aka Durrell Jr. <laughs> and I was teasing him about all the other monikers he has. But I am very excited to have Durrell here. Durrell is the creator of Black Men's Wellness. And I have known him, I think. We were trying to figure out, Todd and I were trying to figure it out today, and we think we've known you for about eight years.
1: Is oh, that- man, no way. It's definitely been longer than that.
0: You think so? When I did know
1: you- so, because I've been married for seven
0: years. Oh, yeah, then it is October. longer than eight years. <laughs> anyway, um, we've known each other for a while. Uh, yeah. Every time I run into Darrell around town, because that happens in Portland, because it's still small, I always learn something and am challenged to change by just about every conversation I have with you. And for me, that is a good thing. For I'm not saying you go through the world challenging people, but I think I lean towards wanting to have those kind of conversations and so do you. So I've been, I've just loved every time that I've run into you.
1: I'm trying to make me cry.
0: Okay. Please cry. (laughs) This is a pro crying crying podcast. Um, I'm really, I'm really grateful that you're here and that you're taking your time out to talk to me. I also want, you to say what you do like who you are maybe how your education has played into your role and your inspiration starting black men's wellness or how it hasn't because sometimes that happens we go for an education and then turns out it doesn't really play a part in what we end up doing but I just want to hear about like where, who you are, and then how you got the idea for this Black Men's Wellness group.
1: Uh, I'm Darrell Wade, um, founder of Black Men's Wellness, and, um, shoot, well, um, so, to make a long story short, I, um, I come from about 20 plus years of youth social work and, uh, and community work. And, and so I'm always looking for a a way to serve my community. Mm, Um, and, and to be, to be honest that for me, that started in the church. It started in my church. Yep. Right. Me too. Growing up in. (laughs) Growing up in 90s, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, in the, the heart of, like, the gang epidemic, St. Louis was very violent, mm. uh, and I found refuge in the church. I found refuge in programs in my church, and even though, you know, I came from a family that was low-income, um you know, I found a lot of like satisfaction and just working with the kids in that neighborhood, working with the food serving families out of the food bank that mm-hmm. our church had started. You know. Yep. We were receiving food and yep. you know, and I was also a helping volunteer as well. And so um and so but Biden's wellness was kind of born out of um I mean, it was born out of pain
2: mm-hmm.
1: and loss and uh, and my needing to address that pain and that loss.
2: Yeah.
1: And in two thousand in two thousand twelve I I lost my mentor. Uh. uh his name his name was Robert Parrish and he has uh an incredible story of like growing up in the foster care system and um you know, overcoming, like, poverty and violence and things like that. And he became a director um, for um,
2: Victory Bible College mm. for this in in ministry training program
1: in Oklahoma. And he recruited me for that program. And he was already a huge mentor in my life. And... And to be honest, I don't even know where I would be had he
2: not recruited me. But he passed away in 2012. He was 46. Oh, wow! From, congen- from
1: congenial heart failure. And if you knew Rob, Robert, Rob was like he, he was a rapper. He was the reason I started rapping. Mm. He was the reason uh, he was the reason that I did so many things. Mm. And we had this gap between our, and our in our relationship. We were like I was kind of like his shadow when I was like. And we were both in St. Louis before he moved to Tulsa. And and I was a shadow yet again when he drafted me for the internship. Uh, um, but then afterwards, we kind of had this gap where we didn't speak for like five years, not because of any kind of animosity mm-hmm. or disagreement. We just lost touch. Yeah. And he called me in 2012, and it was like we had a Beat. I mean, we were cracking jokes on each other and <laughs> laughing and talking about old times and new times. And just, it was like we hadn't skipped a beat, you know. Yeah. And, one of, and he, one of the things he said to me is, he's, man, I thought I ruined all you guys' lives. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? I was like, I would not even be here. I think, I don't know where I would be had you not recruited me.
2: Yeah.
1: And he told me how there were, he was in the hospital a month prior to calling me, mm. and um, how they were—he was in the hospital and they were removing a gallon of fluid, oh. a, a gallon amount of fluid from his lungs a day.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: And I made a joke because you know you don't know how to respond when your mentors mm. are essentially asking for help, and I'm like it kind of like throws you off. Yeah, this is my hero, and I made a joke and I said you need to lay off the Popeye's.
2: Oh.
1: And, and he died a month later. Oh. And it just destroyed me.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, because I always think, man, what if I would have just worked with the What if I would have just, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I know that I, I can't take responsibility, you know, for that. I mean, there was a five year gap in our relationship. He was a grown man.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, but, I didn't even know how to respond to that. And, and I honestly think, and and even years before that we lost, he was a, um, there was another like a local musician. His name was Barry Hampton. And um, he was a well-known Portland uh, guitarist and singer. And he passed away at 39. Oh my God. (laughs)
2: Yeah. and. Um, from from diabetes, he just
1: passed away in his sleep. Mm. And um, I mean, this is a guy who worked with the lifesavers. He's played with yeah. everybody. I think I've even heard this. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And well, let me correct myself. He was either thirty nine or forty nine, but I believe he was
2: well thirty nine. Too young. young.
0: Both of those. I'm forty. Either way, I'm not planning on dying in my sleep anytime soon. That's too young. Right.
1: And, and so, um, you know, and it's, so I knew that something had to be done because this was just a reoccurring theme for years Yeah, where I was just losing friends and mentors before the age of 50. And so, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to, it's always been kind of like a bucket list for me to get my degree. I call it, like, the most expensive, like, item on my bucket list. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Oh, my sister, I, whenever I talk to you, I kind of think, I don't think you've ever met my sister, but it took her so long to get her degree, too. So okay. you're not alone in the long-haul degree game.
1: It is, it is not a small feat, like, people, I mean we're talking about it's, it's so much money and it's so much time.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, do you have, are you first I, generation? I was, are you first generation college? Um, sort of. Cause I, I am, my sister and I kind of are, I think we are, my parents didn't go to school You know, my dad was a telephone, uh, Repair man, you know, climbing up telephone poles and stuff, always done like blue collar work. And I think anytime, like, if
2: you're saying, then yes, yes, I am. Yeah, if you're saying,
1: I'm
0: thinking if you're saying, <laughs> sort of, like, there's still so many things that I like don't understand about the system. And this is just as a white woman going through the system, not to mention it's a system. So there's definitely white supremacy in there, but it is, they don't make it easy. We're trying to help Brennan, you know, deal with all the stuff to go to U of O next semester. And yes, a lot of the stress is because of also the pandemic and the unknowns, but also they make it hard. They're not making it it easy. Yeah, they're not making it easy for you to to take that leap and then go, oh, I don't mind being $130,000 in debt. Right.
1: <laughs> for a degree that's going to like bring in $40,000.
0: Exactly. Because exactly. <laughs> none, none of the degrees I think that you and I are probably interested in are ever going to be the big money-making degrees.
1: No. And, and, and that's the thing. So I knew that... Uh, I knew from going to Bible school, I didn't want any kind of theological degree
2: because yeah.
1: I was like, I need something that's going to be able to bring in some money, Yeah. you mm-hmm. know? And I also didn't want like a psychology degree because I want to be able to make some money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so the happy medium was one Pacific human development um, degree,
2: which was, I was like, Oh man, that, that's so broad. I can, mm. I think, You can do a
1: lot with the human development, you know. I think that is like, you know, that can be applied to so so many things. Yeah. Um, And and it's a it's a good program, honestly, in my opinion, because it takes you through human development um, from a you know a physiological standpoint. Through like <laughs> everything from the way we develop physically from birth through how trauma affects us chemically Ooh. and psychologically.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and I just found I, I just found it amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. Oh no wonder that. Oh yeah. my
0: gosh. <laughs> well, <did> you, I, <laughs> you? I'm know? curious if you got into in that study if you got into the. It might have been before this became a known, but into generational trauma did you guys get into that at all
2: we did actually yes yeah
0: because that is something that-, that i i think i've just started to tap into a little bit with my story but you know i'm sure you as a black man thinking about the generational trauma of black people in the united states like how do you even begin yes. to unpack that
2: With men, with question, black men's wellness. Used. Like I
1: mean <laughs> I mean uh because I mean with black folks so much of our so much of our family history is still very new. Mm-hmm. Um uh, a lot of wait, us can I, can I
0: say cannot something? even I know uh, what any, you I know what you mean by that. But maybe some of my listeners don't. Can you explain what you mean by some of your family history is new?
1: So a lot of us can't even trace our history past. Some of us can't trace our history past our grandparents. Yeah. A lot of us can't. And a lot of us can't trace our history past our great-grandparents. I will say most of us cannot trace our history past our great. Grandparent, you can go on Ancestry.com. You can try to go to the library. You can do whatever. You cannot. And I've talked to people because I was trying. I was. Just, I was attempting to create a family tree.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, dang. So basically, especially at least on my mom's side, I was like, our family history starts with my grandmother.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Who passed away in 2018? It was a huge. It was huge when she passed away. She was ninety two. And I was like, She is our family tree. Yeah. She is the root of our family tree. She doesn't know much about her mom. Her mom died very young. She didn't know her have a relationship with her father. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so you you know, story <laughs> stories are passed down from our elders
2: Mm
1: -hmm. about our successes, about our traumas, about accomplishments.
0: Health history. And so as simple as like your health history, like we have, you know, like Todd's family has a history of, um, you know, some, some kind of stomach aneurysm that goes on down his mom's side. And we know that because we can go back at least a couple generations. If we really dug, we could find out lots more stuff, but they didn't really care about that kind of stuff. But at least we can go back, you know, two or three, and somebody that died early, we can make the assumption that it probably was due to that. But I mean, that's kind of, that stuff is key to health.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, um, and so when you can only like go back, you know, to to grandma, mm. you know, I mean, it, it it just limits you, and um, and so you know, and that's something that. That I feel like is is rarely is rarely talked about.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: You know, I think in the in the black community in the black community, we are very accustomed to just
2: trying to create our our own health plans. You don't mm-hmm. hear a lot about you know family history. Yeah
1: health history, things like that. And I think that's why when you, when you, when you hear about like, um, health issues, it's almost kind of like a blanket, blanket statements for the black community as a whole.
0: Oh, like, you mean like we have high blood pressure. We we have have high blood
1: pressure. Yes. We have, you know, heart issues. We have, you know, I, I don't, I can't, I don't think I, at least I personally haven't heard that for the white community, you don't hear what they have.
0: <laughs> no, no, that that is very true. It's more like in my family, we have, you know, right. high blood pressure. It wouldn't be like the white community has, maybe the white community has, yeah, there is nothing that I can think of. Right. <laughs> there is nothing. Well, and I think... I think you would probably – I mean, you can get into this a little bit more and probably way better than I can, but I would see that as an outsider from that experience, I would go, well, to constantly be reminded of the lost generation, that's fucking painful. Every time you go back to go, oh, I wonder if this is rooted in great-great-grandparent stuff or was this rooted in the damage of slavery, that's painful to have that reminder. And then on top of it, having a medical system that I would say is based in white supremacy, and I don't care what anybody else says, the medical system is a system, and that system is based in white supremacy – Because if you have to go in and prove that you're sick or prove that, you know, like I was talking to somebody not that long ago who was kind of creating practices for um, OHSU. yeah, Equitable practices and um, helping them be more racially, I guess, sensitive. Because they were still, and this is a year ago, maybe not even a year ago, they were still teaching that um, black people can handle more pain. Wow. So I was like, and I knew that was a problem, but I thought that was a problem that now every institution is aware of. And maybe they, this is my ignorance, maybe they were doing something about it. Because like three years ago, I had listened to a podcast on how that was affecting black women's pregnancies and how the death rate was so much higher because they're seen to be able to handle more pain. So when they call in and say they're experiencing something, they stay very calm in their voice because they don't want to be considered an angry black woman and be disregarded. And then a white doctor thinks that they're hysterical or there's nothing to worry about. And so the mortality rate is so much higher, but she was saying, <sighs> that no, no, it's still being taught.
1: Well, I, I, I do not know that.
0: Yeah. And she's, um, that's the person that uh, I want to connect you to Tamiya to um, Deary. Cause she's writing up training for those at least I, I i'm pretty sure it was ohsu she's right she's creating trainings for them to um work on their racism work on maybe not work on the racism they pretty much nailed, nailed that one down maybe work on being yeah. anti racist in their teaching yeah. so that would contribute wouldn't that contribute to the whole picture of it's it's complicated it's complicated on a financial level you know access level whether you have insurance or not you know and then on top of it maybe you have all those things and you have money but you got to navigate a system that is against you or feels like it's against you
2: yeah
1: and that's
0: yeah that's a whole another layer yeah and we don't i mean we don't have to get into that but i I was wondering equity i was wondering if some of that also i know that you know maybe we can switch gears i i want you to say what black men's wellness is and i guess my other question is i know you guys are doing fun things, but are you also talking about, you know, those complicated issues that keep people from getting maybe the medical help and support that they need, or is that... The care that they need. Yeah.
1: Well, we haven't haven't gotten to that yet. So the mission of Black Men's Wellness is to address uh, hypertension or high blood pressure. And heart disease by introducing um, black males to various wellness practices with the hopes that that will carry over, and that that
2: will lead to a lifestyle mm-hmm. of wellness practice in
1: in the community. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, so we haven't we haven't gotten to to that yet. we're still early. We're still in the early stages,
0: well, and uh, probably the pandemic of, the,
1: the program being launched, right
0: yeah
1: with covid and everything um and so and so right now that's just it, it is one awareness you know because I've met young black brothers who haven't had their blood pressure checked mm-hmm. since middle school.
0: well, I haven't had my like, blood pressure te- checked,
1: <laughs> and so but we should, yeah. especially at our age, yeah. like we should we should regularly be checking our blood pressures, and, and especially if you're a black male, because we are the highest affected mm. population, yeah, in the world. Wow, <laughs> not
2: just in the U.S., but in the world, we're the highest. According to the CDC, we mm-hmm. are the highest
1: affected population, uh, and we have the highest mortality rates related to heart disease and high blood pressure and shout out to the influential barbershop because uh when they took my blood pressure they were doing blood pressure checks there um and um you know they were they were one of the ones who were informing that hey you know this is a a silent killer
2: yeah wow
1: it'll kill you killing you and you may not even know it's killing you
0: yeah so you,
1: you know, some so, of us
0: So are there no you
1: know, just, they'll say he died in the sleep. So you well, can die in no, sleep had high blood pressure for the last eighteen months. You know, like Yeah, are the symptoms yeah,
0: are the symptoms like hard to notice unless you do like a blood pressure check? Is it something you just get used to and so you uh, don't really notice?
1: There could be no symptoms at all oh. other than high blood
0: pressure. So literally the only way of knowing would be to get a blood test or get a Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I had no yep. idea.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah, a lot of people didn't. I didn't either, and I didn't take it that seriously. Um, I was still playing with the idea of black men's wellness when uh our friend DJ DJ Effecto, aka uh, Ron, passed away. Mm. Uh. I think it's 2018. Uh, if you're familiar you're with the Humble Beast, yeah, guys, and so he was he was a DJ and producer on Humble Beast. He was working on his cookbook called Humble Bistro. Oh. Uh, he passed away in fame working on paellas. A mm-hmm. big benefit for him, um, just the biggest like loving like Filipino brother you ever meet, and um. And the funny thing about Ron is, like, even through our limited interactions, like, he, he, no
2: matter how limited the interactions were with him, he just left an impression on you, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: he was 39 when he died of a heart attack in Spain. Oh, my God. And, um, and when I, I flew out to Long Beach, I believe it was 2018, 2017, I uh, flew out to Long Beach for his uh, his benefit concert because they had to fly his body back from Spain. They had to raise money to do that.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine. I, that's the first thing I thought. Ooh, that is expensive.
1: And he didn't look like a guy who at all who had any health issues. He didn't present that way.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: was kind of on the thicker side, but he looked on like but well, he looked like he could be like, yeah, no of a lineman.
2: Yeah. You know, he did not like to be a
1: linebacker type thing. Like he literally, looked, looked like he just lifts weights. He didn't look like a guy, you know, that you're that you should be concerned about when yeah. you look at me, like, oh my gosh, this yeah. guy is knocking on death's door. You wouldn't think that with him. Yeah. And so when he passed, it was complete it just I mean, it vibrated through yeah. the entire community. Um and so um it was it was then I, I was that I was like, okay, I got to do something.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I've been thinking about it, and I have to do something. And even going back to, like, my education at Warner, um, I was in an equity and diversity class, and my professor, you know, asked me, what, what do you see yourself doing with your degree? And I said, honestly, I want to do something with wellness. Wellness mm-hmm. in the black community. I just don't know what that's going to look like. You know, how I'm going to like generate funding, how I want to be able to pay myself. But I would love, because I knew that there was a, a gap in <laughs> in wellness just in the black community as a whole. Yeah. Like we just didn't talk about wellness at all.
0: Well, and it seems like, like it wasn't maybe even a
2: discussion at that time.
0: One of the things that I had noticed is it seems like in with like FEMs, black FEMs, there has been in the last, you know, I don't know, however many years, an increased awareness around self-care and wellness. But I haven't noticed, and, and I didn't know if it was just me not paying attention, but I hadn't noticed the same amount of attention with Black men. And I don't know if you had seen that. Or but it seems like there's more there's more stuff happening around black femmes than around black men.
1: Right. And (laughs) um Yeah, well I did feel like I mean they were leading the charge. Mm -hmm. You know? And
2: they usually uh,
0: do for all of us. (laughs) Let's be honest.
1: They do for all of us and also (laughs) um my mother-in-law, you know, shout out to Mama Lynn. Yeah, she said that. <laughs> she says this thing it's its funny, but it's also true. And she says that a black woman caring for a black male shaves a good five years off that black woman's life. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the stress.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, she's awesome.
1: <laughs> and so I'm not surprised that 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 self care is.
2: Not only needed, but well earned and well deserved, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so, even with my own wife, you know, you know, my wife, yeah.
1: And you know, Brit. I mean, I don't know if I would ever consume anything green or raw <laughs> 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 if it wasn't.
2: Yeah, Todd. Either. I got married.
0: <laughs> yeah, when I think of Brittany, I think of somebody that is health conscious, not, um, not in a way that's like elitist and annoying but just you know wasn't she going to be wasn't she working towards becoming like a physical therapist or something yeah, yeah. so I just think she's healthy <laughs> yeah she's a, she, she's very very health
1: conscious uh, is one of the things that uh, you know that I fell in love you know with her about uh so i mean um you know she's a she's a garden sprite yeah (laughs) you know she just is um i mean i tease her and tell her that she eats like a rabbit and stuff like that but you know the truth is i mean i need i need that in my life and if it wouldn't if it wasn't for her i probably it would probably just be you know fried foods and potatoes
2: Yeah.
1: and so um but you know and i you know i've learned a lot from her Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: on how to to care for myself and so um but yeah you you know and there's a stigma about being black and what masculine masculinity looks like to us yeah um, you know, there's a whole, I don't do that culture,
2: yeah. you know
1: what I'm saying, with us. you know, that we don't do this. This is what we do, and this is what we don't do. You know, what we do, we play basketball, we, you know, we do this, we do that, and we don't do that. We don't do yoga. We don't, yeah. you know, go on hikes. We don't such and such, such and such. But that's changing. I can see that changing.
2: You oh
0: know, yeah, tomorrow a, at Peninsula. Um, tomorrow at Peninsula Park. I forgot the woman's name. I heard her speak at a PDX Alliance for Self Care. She's a yoga instructor, and she's leading a giant, hopefully social-distanced yoga thing at the at Peninsula Park tomorrow to raise money to get a brick and mortar. Oh man! And she's a black yoga instructor, and she talks about that. I should uh, when I when I think about it, I wanna I'll make sure to introduce you to these people that I'm talking about because I think there's a lot of connections that could be made that would only like increase the visibility of Black men's wellness, but also there probably could be some connection and sharing of resources or knowledge that you all could do together.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, because I mean, we, we certainly don't have, I mean, we have designated facilitators for black men as well, but we don't have a surplus yeah. of facilitators. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things I realized, I was like, oh, okay. And the more, the more POC, black and POC so, facilitators that we can get, the better because yeah. there's just the other thing is that there is a lack of representation, right? Yeah, in those spaces, you yeah. know. Um, there was a uh, soul flow yoga class that would meet twice a week for a while, and I think they still meet, but I know the person who was leading it, Pamela, she she moved, I believe she moves to the east coast, and I think there was a gap. Mm. A gap there, like like the, I think that last time I, I i went, they were scrambling trying to find a black yoga instructor mm-hmm. to take over this class, and I was like, and I was like, oh man, I was like, <laughs> what are we gonna find? yeah, it's funny, and that's what happens it's it's crazy, so if you lose your facilitator or your instructor, you know your your b i p o c instructor. Then is you you're importantly you're you're scrambling. Well because yeah, there's just not enough of us.
0: You could spit and hit ten yoga instru- white yoga instructors. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, or massage the therapists
0: I mean, or whatever, you
1: know. <laughs> I mean, it's and and so that's one of the things that that I'm realizing right now we have and so like for instance, if you want to talk about like, you know, uh, Chris, Christopher Scott, like, the hip-hop social worker, right? hmm And, um, like, to find a, a, one thing, to find, like, a black male therapist. Oh,
0: God, in yeah. In Portland. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then to find a, uh, young black male therapist who can relate, like, to the hip-hop generation.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I mean... It's like, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack sometimes.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I had... And they're out. I was going to say my last therapist was a black woman younger than me, probably middle to late 30s. And um, in all of my searching to find a therapist, because I had to find one on Kaiser, I think she was the only black therapist that I, you know, in the in the hundreds of therapists that I was looking at. The only black therapist. Yeah, and she was great. That's,
1: I believe it. She shouldn't.
0: She should not have any availability.
2: Is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and 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 also that that can happen too because when you do get that one.
2: Yeah. Those
0: youth
1: therapists are instructors are facilitators. You know, and the need is just
0: yeah. Everybody's hitting
2: the mountain.
1: You know. Um. Yeah. Everybody's hitting them up because they need them. Yeah, and so, um, and so that's one of the you know that's one of the um, that's one of the issues that we're trying to address for Black man's wellness as well is yeah. that we're hoping to act as kind of a liaison to services, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, and so all of our facilitators are independent contractors that have their own uh businesses or services that they provide independently
2: oh that's and, yeah great. They, do
1: our, they do workshops and groups for, us. for instance you know we have june and he has blacksmith uh creatives mm. and you know what june does is you know his passion is getting black folks outdoors and out into the elements and then you have chris the hip-hop social workers his passion is mental health and then you have libretto um, chisel fit, and his whole thing is physical wellness and being physically fit. <clears throat> and um, you have, um, you know, Deshawn are the bearded chef, and his whole thing is healthy eating. Mm. Healthy eating, man. and but the one common with all of these guys is that they all want to foster community. Yeah, and that's uh. You know, and that's one of the things I appreciate about the facilitators. Is like they all want to foster community, and so. Um, so but yeah, that's you know that's our that's that's our mission. You know, there's so much wellness in the black community and the black community and just yeah. community in blackness.
2: Yeah.
1: You know that's why that's why I think the answer for such a long time. It's just about everything with church. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, there's the belief system, but the church also represents community.
2: Yeah. And, and so we a lot are of
1: a lot of people like, oh, I need to go to a the therapist. I'll go to church. Why? Because there's community there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah there was just a Trevor, Trevor Noah sketch on uh, Black people, more Black people would go to therapy if therapy was like church. And then they did a sketch where therapy was like church
1: <laughs> i mean my first the first time i went well because they do provide the church can't provide counseling
0: yeah i mean it's the first not time always I went
1: great. and talked to someone was when I was, I was i was i was i think i was 15 16 yeah and my pastor literally just called me in his office and i would meet with him like a therapist and talk mm-hmm. to
2: him
1: and he would provide counseling
2: Yeah. yeah I had
0: that too. I, I, I think, it was sweet. yeah, I think if it, <laughs> if it works, it's great. I think, um, it doesn't always work that great. Cause the training is not usually the same as a therapist has, but man, right. when you're desperate and you need somebody to listen to you and kind of at least help you come up with options, it's a great resource.
1: Right, and so as much as like, you know, you know, there's been a push towards anti-religion and anti that. Churches, synagogues, mosques—they all have models for essentially what we're trying to do with like universal healthcare. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do with, you know, they have that. They have community, but also they have a pool where they're all. Po- Pour in what they can financially. Yep. yep. And notice notice what I said, what they can. Yes,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> in other words, it's affordable, what they can. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that also, those those same venues provide services to those communities, right? Yeah, yeah and I like think- Like when done properly and done honestly. Yes. They provide like food banks, they, 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 they're able to provide you know mentorship mm-hmm. uh they're able to to provide certain youth programs they're able to provide certain camps they're able to you know even sometimes like like some of them like help with like uh people going through uh families that who are dealing with financial hardships,
0: yeah, oh, for sure, we've yeah. been helped in that way because of church
1: uh so so so' is my family like so i mean you know you get behind on your rent it's like it's funny so i mean it's it's it's, it's as much as like you know um you know you know we with our like liberal sensibilities like yeah. to like we like we need to be burn it all down burn the church yeah. <laughs> and the, like but but the thing is of, like <laughs> the, at the same time is what you're asking for is as far as a model goes like a, a lot of that is born in the, in i uh, you know organized religion yeah you know yeah and 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 so and that's not to say that I agree with everything. No, I don't I don't hear, uh, hear you. I saying certainly that. don't. I mean we you, you you know that better than anyone. Yeah. That that we were taught growing up in uh the Judeo Christian system. hmm um but I I did find wellness and shelter in there.
0: Yeah. You know, I also found trauma there. Yep. Me too. Me too. Well, I think some of the thing that you're, some of what you're saying, I also think just because yes, so much of that system is wrong and corrupt and doesn't look at all like Jesus at all. Right. You cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's still there.'s elements that work. The thing that I learned in the church is service, and some of that service was fucked up and manipulative. But what it bore in me is, I can't do anything without it being sort of community minded. I don't want to exist in a in a vacuum. I mean, we we have record highs of loneliness in our right. in our communities especially in this country because people really don't know how to connect on a you know on a level outside of you know like social media or anything and I'm not saying that I always got good connection at church but I think when you're in a like what I see you trying to do is take, the good things that maybe organized religion umbrella could give structure, you know, some food, maybe some help when you're desperate, maybe a little bit of counseling when you need it and take that model of working together. Let's throw it all in because you know that, I mean, that was what the bridge was. We're all bringing our gifts or whatever we got to the table. And we're sharing it as best as we can. Some people have more resources financially. Some people have more resources educationally and practically or hands-on or whatever. And trying not to put those things in a hierarchy, but say they're all equal. And let's bring what we can to the table to make this world a better place to live in. Because right now for a lot of people living in this world is subpar at best. Yeah. And I, and I think about when I think about what you're saying, I, I think the vision, that's one of the things too, that I talk about on here, you know, you, you are able to communicate the vision, but I think the vision is way bigger than even you can communicate at this point because that's really what a vision is. You know, it's way bigger right. than we can see. We're scrambling like, you know, I'm asking you if people want to donate work where, where can they donate to, well, I don't have that set up yet. And I, you know, and, and we could go, Oh, I'm failing at this vision that I have. Or we could go, this vision is so big. I'm tripping to catch up with it all the time. I'm just tripping to catch up with it. And that's what it should be. Instead of feeling, you know, and I feel this too. That's what I think I'm identifying with some of the things you're saying is I always feel in my business that I'm kind of failing because I don't have monetary proofs of success, which is what our capitalist uh, society is built on. You are successful when you can monetize it but the success that I can show is I've taken thousands of people through meditative archery and saw right before my eyes every time their lives changed and them enter into their power every single fucking time I don't know if anybody else can say that
1: right and that's what that's what, that's, that's how I I would measure success I, I mean, I'm thankful that we're finally able to own a home. Yeah. And that was that was nothing short of a miracle. Um, and um, I'm thankful that, you know, I can walk around in Jordan and stuff like that. But, like, someone told, one of my mentors told me that money was the lowest form of wealth.
2: Yeah. Ooh, that's good.
1: <laughs> it's a form of wealth, but he said it is the lowest form of wealth. And it stuck with me. He told me that when I was a young teenager and it stuck with me for the rest of my life. And um, I have a, a former business partner. And he was just one of those guys that would do anything. And to get to where he felt like he needed to be, including no matter who he had to step on or hurt. Yeah. And he got there, Yeah, he did. He got there, we parted ways and he got there, but for years, you know, we don't talk much anymore, but for years he would call me and tell me how lonely he was. Yeah. How lonely he was. And, um, you know, a house and a Jaguar and, you know, he was just, you know, king of everything, yeah. at least in his own mind. But he would tell me all the time, and I'm just so lonely.
2: Yeah.
1: And, man, that struck a chord in me. I was like, bro, I was like, I would rather stay in the studio apartment.
2: Yeah. In the yeah. Pearl, yeah. Yeah.
1: And have genuine people who care about me. You know, because my other mentor, Rob, Robert told me, he said, real. You know, you know, back when, you know, we believed in,
2: <laughs> I still do,
1: you know, I believe in words, you know, whatever you want to call them, affirmations. And, and he told me something. He said, you he said, he said, one of the last things he told me was, he said, I know you think you'll never have things, but one day you will. He said, I know you, he said, you, you'll have everything you want. He said, I know you can, he said, but he's like, things don't mean anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, people People mean something. Pe- yes. People are valuable. The things aren't valuable. It's the people who genuinely care about you and love you yeah. are valuable.
2: Yeah.
1: He's like, he's like, they don't, he's like, things don't carry worth. You can have a PlayStation 18 and retro Jordans and the car you want and all these superficial things. He's like, but people who care about you and love you. Yeah. That's what ho worth. And he told me to remember that. And I never forgot it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's what you're building. I think, you, want, you know. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's 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 what I hear in everything that you're saying from, you know, the shock of loss. And well, know,
2: when
1: I think about him, I think, oh I man, this is great. You know, over the last few years, we had a, uh, it's funny, you know, you talk about like, what that thing I told you about, like, selling your house to a Black family. Someone did that for us.
2: Oh, wow.
0: A it happened of... for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we live in, you know, St. John's or New Columbia. And one of our friends, you know, I call her Auntie Auntie Christian and she sold us her house at cost for what wow. was left on the loan.
2: Wow. Which,
1: what we could afford. It was... Super undermarket. Yeah. Like (laughs) off the market and undermarket. And she sold, and, you know, she sold her. And then, not even a year into owning the home, we qualified for a $40,000 loan, a zero interest loan that we don't have to pay back from the Portland Housing Bureau to remodel it. Wow. We got a full interior remodel essentially for nothing. (laughs) I would have never imagined that no. we'd one, be able to own a house in Portland. You know, being too oh. like at the time middle income black a black couple, too. Yeah. That we'd a, that we get essentially a remodel for yeah. essentially free. <laughs> you know. But at the same time I think I'm, I sit here and I think, what would I give to have to be able to take Robert on a hike? To yeah. have him come to Portland.
2: Yeah
1: and laugh and talk about the funny stuff that we saw, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when, we, when we went and saw the power team and they were having trouble <laughs> like tearing the phone book in half and how we just yes. and laughed at them.
2: <laughs> yep,
0: I have been there my that friend. Happened. <laughs> 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 only, people who, only people who have grown up in the church can understand <laughs> that experience. <laughs>
1: Oh man, we watched this guy try to tear this well, they were a knockoff version of the power team. I think
0: I saw a knockoff this... version too.
1: Yeah, and this guy had the time. I'm telling you, Angie, he could not tear this phone book in half <laughs> to save his life. Uh, and Robert and I just cracked up. We sat in the front row and just made fun of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was on one knee and everything. We were just <laughs> uh, we were dying laughing. But I would kill to have Robert here to, yeah. you know, to share some laughs with him and talk about old time. I would, I would, you know, so I would give up so much just to hear him laugh again. And, um, yeah, you because know, he was a person. He was a person in my life that, you know, that ushered me into um, manhood. That helped me filter out all the toxic stuff mm. that I had picked up yeah. on my way.
2: Well and I
0: think, and, um, I think what I hear too, is, and I hope that you can hear this, I hear you are embodying, and maybe and maybe this is I might be reaching too far, but maybe this is some ancestral legacy, but you are reaching you're carrying not only your own vision but you're carrying a bit of Robert's vision, you know, you're carrying a bit of every man, woman, and child's vision that has sown into you that either isn't here any longer, you know, or can't do it for themselves. And that, I don't mean that as a pressure thing. I just mean, that's, I think that's the, that's the beauty of a real vision, like a real, vision is not just a vision for our own gain. It's a vision that is wrapped up in every person that's sewed a little bit into our lives. And it's stretching like you're stretching his legacy a little bit farther because he can't do it any longer. And you're doing it through, you know, reaching out to change the face of what black men's wellness can look like.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: uh, Man, that's powerful.
0: One step at a time, sweet Jesus. (laughs) That is powerful. You know, before we end um, this episode, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you're looking forward for your vision for Black Men's Wellness, to the future, maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 12 years. What is your dream vision? This is like, if you could have anything in the world connected to black men's wellness, what would it be? Go.
1: (laughs) Okay, so without putting like an actual um, countdown on it. Yeah. I would like to see Black Men's Wellness duplicated on a national level. Yeah. And that's essentially what we're working on, is building out a very uh, streamlined and simplified simplified program model that can be duplicated so that there is, and even if it's not, called Black Men's Wellness, but the, so that there are chapters mm. in mm. every Black community. And um, I mean, a national conference would be nice, but I know that's also, that's a big dream.
0: Oh no, we're taking great. that one. We're speaking that into the universe. <laughs> that is not uh, that big. Conference totally could be done.
1: Done. Yeah, and so, um. But that's what but ultimately have those chapters and so that we we smash those those
2: those stats and mm-hmm. those
1: numbers where we're you know where we where we are like among yeah. the highest we are the highest mortality and fatality rates related to high blood pressure and heart disease. To completely, like, just smash that disparity mm-hmm. and increase health and wellness access to Black men and Black boys all over the country.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that's my dream.
0: I think that's I think that's an achievable dream. And now we're gonna ask for the money to make it happen. So, any listeners out there? Um, if you would like to give to the Black men's Wellness, when I go to the show notes and I'll have Durrell's um, Venmo because they are still in the process of finishing up their website. and you know, everybody knows that's that started something brand new that it's one step at a time. So there's steps that are everything's still in play but the money you can highlight to black men's wellness and it'll go to the different things that they have, um, coming up. I know that you're planning, you're going to try to do a kayaking trip. Yeah. I know that I'm not a black man, but I have offered to do archery. (laughs) I wish that I knew, I wish that I knew, um, A black guy that did archery i was up there one time and there was a black man shooting but he was doing like i never saw him shoot but he was doing a photo shoot but he had all the gear like he had oh and he was he was dressed to the nines like i was like it was amazing (laughs) It was amazing.
1: Well, you're going to do archery. Exactly. Like he
0: had, he had like a, oh, his fit was unbelievable. And, um, but it wasn't a place where I could go up and talk to him and ask him how long he'd been shooting. I usually talk to people when I'm up there, but I mean, I'm sure there are people shooting that, I guess I'm, it's, I, I just need to call it out. Like I, your goal is to not have white people teaching you, which I am completely behind. But if you cannot find somebody to teach you archery, I would be more than happy to to supply that space.
1: And 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 that's something I want to clear up too, because it's not like that. We're trying to like necessarily exclude like white facilitators. I would say with we are, but we are trying to prioritize BIPO. Absolutely. Order too. Yeah, absolutely. and and so,
0: um, well, and I think that should so, be that should be the priority. If somebody is out teach, out there teaching archery, that's POC, then right. I would much rather have them teach you.
1: Yeah, that which would be dope. I don't, I I don't even think I've ever ran into a black archer. i always, from the moment that I knew that there were archery ranges
2: mm-hmm.
1: in Portland.
2: I've always
0: wanted to try it. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get this done. I I have seen, there used to be a guy that would come up there pretty regularly. I would run into him who was a older black man, like compared to the younger people that are typically up there. He was an older black man. I haven't seen him in a really long time. And it probably just got too crowded because when I first started, um, it wasn't as well known the arch the free archery range up there so it wasn't as crowded and it's got pretty ridiculous over the years so he might have just gone to a private range but i will keep i will keep because i talk to everybody that i see up there um you know just because i'm i also am trying to find people for tamia's group pdx alliance for self-care because i teach them archery but you know, if there's somebody else that would teach alongside me that's a woman of color, that would even be better. That would be dope, yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't hear you. I want you to know I don't hear you excluding white people, and I don't really care. <laughs> like, I hear you prioritizing black and brown voices and skills, which needs to happen. Well,
2: thank you. Was,
0: yeah. so, so, um I don't want to leave without asking you if, you know, if there's anything else you want to plug.
2: Oh man. Oh shoot.
1: <laughs> oh shoot. Good design for good causes.com. If you are a, they are doing pro bono design work for, um, black and brown, uh businesses and nonprofits. um um the good brother
2: mark uh Pimentel mm-hmm. is um a
1: designer for nike and he started this initiative so cool and it's his way of protesting and he's he he himself is working on the black men's wellness uh website He's personally making that his so uh, cool. his, his baby. Yay. But he's, he has a collection of designers from across the globe who design... I mean, these guys design for FIFA wow. and oh Red God. Bull and Google. I mean, they're top wow. designers and they're yeah. just wanting to, to give to the cause that way. And they have a shortage of clients. <laughs> <laughs> I, I they can't have more even designers than they have clients. And uh, so, you know, if you are a black, brown entrepreneur, please um, there's a, there's an easy, easy registration process on um, gooddesignforgoodcauses.com, dot com, and uh,
0: I can put all that in the show notes too.
1: Yeah, and he'll he'll hook you up. Uh, but other than that, um, our a- next um uh just be on just follow us on uh black Men's wellness pdx at instagram mm-hmm. for um, um for our next uh upcoming workshops we were planning uh a paddle out yeah so stand up um uh, paddle boarding and kayaking on fifth and bivy depending on what the levels look like that may be up in the air or we may do a healthy eating workshop most likely we're probably going to go with a healthy eating workshop in the uh, community garden here in uh, North Portland. Oh, nice! Have an we'll open op, uh, open air kitchen. Cool. Uh, and we're going to talk about some access to community gardens around the city. Uh, have uh, the bearded chefs like prepare a healthy meal.
0: Oh yeah, um, that's that's another thing I wanted to ask you. Could you shout out again the the men that are participating and helping? with the black men's wellness and how people can follow them?
1: Uh, so June Howard is j8lasole on Instagram. That's J the number eight and lasole, L-A, and then soul okay. on Instagram. And then The Bearded Chef. Uh, I don't know if it's The Bearded Chef PDX or The Bearded Chef. You can try both. Deshawn okay. um, Mike Labretto, Jackson also known as chisel fit if you look up chisel fit on instagram he's there and then the hip-hop social worker christopher scott he's the hip-hop social worker
0: my, my people should be familiar with him because i i interviewed him
1: yeah and all those and then as a bonus um amron bevels amron bevels is actually uh, pretty amazing she's an md and she she has yet to to facilitate a workshop for us, which she will a wellness workshop. But uh, she's all about Black book wellness, and she's she's freaking brilliant.
2: Oh, good, um, cool. I,
1: um, but her whole thing is uh is wellness and the Black community, and also uh, shoot, I can go on. Bahia <laughs> Overton, uh, Bahia Overton. Uh, Doctor Bahia. <laughs> it's funny, she never goes by doctor over wow. him, but
2: she earned um, it.
1: <laughs> is also hugely involved. She's actually the um the new the the newest executive director for um um the black parent initiative here in Portland. Oh yeah. And she does a lot around wellness as well. Um and so yeah.
0: Well that all you can I follow mean...
1: her at Bahia. The Hill Overton, I believe, on just okay. on Instagram.
0: Great. Thank you. And you know, if people wanna follow you, it's just under Durrell Jr., right?
1: Well, they wanna just follow me at Black Men's Wellness. Okay. Uh, I am more active on the Black Men's Wellness page. Black Men's Wellness PDX okay. on
0: Instagram. Yeah, and I'll have I'll have all that in the notes. I really yeah. appreciate you taking your time to do this and um, being so generous in that way. And I'm really excited about everything that you're doing. And I know t- when Todd and I ran into you, we got really excited. And that maybe was a little intense.
1: <laughs> uh, I love Todd. Behind his back, I call him Todd the Bod. Um, oh.
0: Oh people, yeah, I don't think that the I think some other people call him that too. <laughs> Todd the Bod. Todd the Bod Fatal. It
1: just sounds nice to me. It sounds like it sounds like like the best name for like a
2: WWE wrestler. Yeah. I can think of. Yeah, I'd love to see that happen.
0: <laughs> but I was just gonna say, we you know, we love you, and we want to support in any way that we can whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, I think Todd would be really excited. He's, we don't know what next year at Boise Elliott will look like, but you know, he, um, he, he's been doing these uh, family sing-alongs oh. and the first one he did, that was awesome. it was like Thursday on a Thursday night. He brought in this group from, I'm not going to get the school right, but there's a hip hop um, class that our friend Jesse teaches and he brought those guys in. He also brought, oh, Shoot, I'm not going to remember her name, but there's a, there's a nine-year-old rapper that he brought in. She's, she is amazing. And I totally forgot her name. I'm sorry. Um, and then they did some sing-along stuff but he also tries to bring in somebody uh you know like he brought Tamia in to share like these self-care packages that they make with like stress balls and essential oils and to talk to the kids and the parents about that that particular kind of wellness so it'd be great to get you um You know, or if you can't do it, a couple of the guys to do it, to come in and talk about that. Because Boise Elliott has the highest, um, has the highest population of black students. Really? Yeah, even though the the neighborhood doesn't reflect that anymore, they still come in from all over the city to go to Boise Elliott.
2: Yeah. interesting.
0: So it'd be great. Wow to, you know, who knows, whenever we're opened up again and we can do a sing-along to get you guys in there to talk about it.
1: I'd love to. I would absolutely love to.
0: Yeah, it would be amazing. Plus, you know, I think, you know this, it's important for those young boys and girls to see men and women that look like them doing things, like you said, that black People don't do (laughs) right because it changes. You know this; it changes your life.
2: Yeah,
1: that's what we're we're hoping to change. You know, to be one of the um, you know contributors who help change the narrative.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Of black people, don't do that shit.
0: Yeah, we do. (laughs) It's the best. It is the best. uh, It's the best quote, or whatever you want. You can, make, you can make that a meme. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, thank archery, you. Archery
1: soon, soon to be one of those things. Yeah, man, I can't. I, I can't wait to get on that range.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna do it. I mean, even if you know, I take you out first. That's what I did with Tamia. I just, I took her out. I think that's what we did with a smaller. Well, you're unit. gonna
1: have to because I don't. I don't have any equipment.
0: I have all the equipment. You don't have to own shit. I have it all. So, I just took her out and kind of explained what I do and, you know, I teach archery and in 5 minutes you'll be shooting. And then if okay. you're if you're at all like me, you'll be like, "Why did it take me so long?" <laughs> so, we'll we'll set that up and then you can go, you can decide you know, maybe you and Britt could do it with me, and then you can decide how it could work for the men in your group, the men and boys.
2: Oh, yeah. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. Let's plan it. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Cool. Thank you, and Thanks for having me on
0: the show. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in for Jarrell. Wasn't that amazing? He was so generous with his just with his story and his vulnerability and i think i think it's powerful when anybody is vulnerable but i do want to say as a woman who grew up with a certain kind of man who didn't lean towards vulnerability it is especially powerful to see men leaning into their vulnerability and it is not lost on me that is a generous thing to do so i'm So glad that he joined us today and remind everybody to remember who you are, that you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. Thank you for tuning in. Talk to you soon.